0: We're back with the Hound Hall podcast in the pursuit of excellence. This week's guest is the bubbly and wonderful Philippa Davies, the traveling chef. She's fiery, she's exciting, and she's as addictive as the food she cooks. This might create some thought, and do you know what? If you've got something you wanna say, get in touch. If you like it, then just press the subscribe button. And when all else is done, as per usual, just sit back, relax, and enjoy.
1: podcast soon to be radio station that got set up in Shaftesbury where I live and it started pretty much at the time of the pandemic and it was suddenly this amazing kind of resource of sharing information very quickly in the community and then you got um you know more people wanted to join in so it's run by this incredible guy who is a professional he was a radio DJ for BBC Solent or something and then he's very kindly kind of donated his time to the community and set up this podcast So usually he's the one ringing me, asking me about food and this, that and the other.
0: Is that the one that potentially could turn into a radio station?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are
0: you going to turn into a DJ with it?
1: (laughs) I know. I mean, it's all going to be pre-recorded, so it's going to be an easygoing radio station. there is actually a
0: guy called DJ Food, so the name's already gone. Already gone.
1: gone. (laughs) You've got to be quick these days. You have, really quick. So...
0: Philippa Davies, thank you very much for coming and doing our podcast.
1: Thank you so much. In the much.
0: pursuit of excellence at Hound Hall.
1: <laughs> thank you for having me.
0: And you look even more stunning in the flesh, if that's at all possible. I clearly what, it is.
1: UK, clearly it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the significance with red? Because I noticed that carries on through all of your, or most of your photos and your theme. Oh,
1: um... I think it kind of, these things start by accident and then you realise it's kind of crept into your life and you really love it. So it brings me a lot of joy and, you know, I have to be quite sparky in my job as a private chef and it's just a good kind of trademark, I guess, as well. It's like Philippa, she's always, you know, I've got my red apron on, or my big red earrings and, yeah, it just brings me a lot of joy. makes me happy.
0: (laughs) It's brilliant. It's lovely because it's a little thing that shines through on each... I mean, obviously what you talk about and what you do is incredible in itself, but it's that little USP. There was a... um, very different, I know, but there was a chap who was a very famous angler and very sadly died a few years ago. I think his name was, I've always called him Jan Porter, Jan or Jan Porter. Um, and he sort of popped up in the 70s um, and then sadly died, I, I think, sort of in the last 10 years, I think. Don't quote me on that. But his trademark from when he very first started on the riverbank in the 70s, was wearing a red beret because he wanted to stand out and then he got one of those of the time the adidas track suits in red oh. and then throughout his whole career and and he, he became a journalist you know writer relating to fishing every time you saw him apart from a little blip where he wore camo he was in bright red oh. and i just thought it was fabulous yeah and he actually was a very nice person and an incredible angler as well but yeah. uh
1: I he think, certainly stood out. You know, once you start getting involved in more kind of media or have a social media presence, it is actually really important to have something that where you're instantly recognisable. So, I mean, obviously you can play around, you know, so I could be wearing, I don't know, a red tweed skirt or yes. a red jumpsuit or, you know, just depending on the occasion. But it's just nice to have that kind of link, I think, between your posts and your presence.
0: I think so. Does it work for you, social media, and Instagram in particular?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean... I travel a lot as a private chef, as you know, and so I kind of feel there's a lot of alone time, so you know you're you're going off on the car or the plane or all that and I just think I kind of feel I'm bringing a community with me so people get really invested in my journey where is she going next what's she going to find you know and whether I'm at home actually as well and doing some I recently did this huge post on emu eggs for instance yes and, I, know, saw it. <laughs> I mean it was an obvious thing to do you know lockdown at home what yeah, else there yeah there were loads there of on? people
0: doing emu eggs it was totally obvious I've right?
1: set a trend I feel <laughs> like it's going to be the next big thing emu egg custard you know I was
0: waiting to see the piece of bacon that was sort of in proportion with you know thought, yeah, that's my breakfast (laughs)
1: Dinosaur bacon. Um, But, you know, you'd get loads of messages in or people will comment on your posts. And it's a really engaging way. And it's a great way then once you kind of build a tribe of followers and community to kind of spread a message, share information, get excited about something, promote something. So, yeah, no, I, I think social media for me, and I keep it all to food. Like, I try and not veer off the course because obviously people have followed me or joining my journey about food so I try not to go off too much on a tangent from that yes as much as I'd like to talk about my fashion sense or or lack of
0: (laughs) well it got you noticed we noticed (laughs) you there you go um for me being you know in this industry well in the industry of shooting say you know we, we we follow sort of related companies to sort of keep a handle on and see what other people are doing we, we obviously you write well some people might not know but you write for the field and yeah, have I, done for many years yeah so um, i've
1: been writing my recipe pages now for i think 5 6 years yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah fabulous which is brilliant Do you but but uh, but i but look, so but looking at your feed the instagram i mean you're an international chef you're a private chef you're all over the place is there a link to game and country or are you just you do what you do and it relates to lots of different avenues? I mean, I, I, I when I first, what I'm saying is when I first came across you, I thought, oh, you're a game chef, you know, but that's not the case.
1: No, I mean, but as a chef, you're always in search of incredible ingredients. You know, what's exciting? What do you want to be in the kitchen? What do you want to serve people? Mm. So, I mean, I grew up in Dorset on a kind of small holding. And um, although my family d- doesn't shoot, we have friends who do. So they're drop-in, you know, pheasants and that. We surrounded by
0: shooting there, Surrounded by shooting, yeah.
1: absolutely, yeah. And then when I moved up to London, the restaurants I worked in, so the River Cafe, Morrow, they would have game on the menu. And that was the first time, actually, I remember, you know, it was, it was the smell of grouse, first of all. And it was just like... <gasps> What's that? You know, I was like a dog, my ears <laughs> pricked up. You know, that smells incredible. And then, you are know, having my first taste of grouse um, and wild salmon back then when you, know, you could have it in the restaurants. Yes. And it was just magic. Like, this is incredible ingredients. And then as I, I went on through my career and then started private chefing, um, mm. I got some amazing jobs at shoots um, all over the place. And yeah, so that that's my connection with, with shooting. I, it, I think the the produce is incredible. What comes out of it, it's an incredible mm. food source we have here in the UK.
0: It, it, it's an interesting link, isn't it? Because obviously, well, I think it's always been a theme that, that's carried on, but I think it's largely certainly come to a head in, I would say, the last five to six years with, you know, organisations like the BGA promoting, you know, getting game meat out there. What's your take on that? How do you think how do you think that's going? What do you think could be done? Or do you think it's sort of it's 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 at its, you know, at its limit and it's just a case of time spent? What's your sort of thoughts on Yeah,
1: no way is it at its limit. I think, you know, if we're shooting we've got to eat the meat. So I think that's really important. So everyone in the shooting community has to be engaged in that conversation. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's really important to look far wider than that because, as I said, it's this incredible food source we have here. It's, you know, you've got some really um, uh, nutritious, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about the rhyme, but no, you know, <laughs> very good. I won't become a poet. I'll stick to my writing, uh, recipe writing. But um, you know that you want, I want to share with a wider community. So yeah. I breach. I think straddle is an unladylike term, maybe, but I do try and straddle both communities. So, the male
0: listeners will like that one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm involved in obviously the shooting community as a chef, but then also my work spans far far wider than that. I'm really keen to engage that community as well yeah. and like look at this incredible food we have.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I know that you have, uh, I say background. that's probably, No, that's that is the wrong word. You, you've got a sort of a within your sort of uh, you know past family. There's clearly a sort of line of craftsmen. Yes, and you had some really fine. Cabinet makers, I think, and furniture makers, which is clearly yeah. a very skilled art. So there's a there's a, obviously a thing in the blood with working with your hands.
1: I, that's really interesting. I haven't actually looked at it that way before, but yes, you're right. I mean, so my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, I think probably my great-great-grandfather, mm. I should know, because my mother's really into family history, so she's continuously right. talking about it. I <laughs> need to pay more attention. Or
0: did you switch off?
1: You? Uh, no, 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 mother, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but um, so they, we all came from like a high Wickham. Uh, you know, lots of chairs. Yeah. My, my grandfather actually made um, chairs for Buckingham Palace. So, I mean, really? yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, they were really into it. Um, and, you know, I grew up when my father had the workshop at home and my mother helped and my grandparents helped as well. And so, yeah, it was very much a kind of a practical childhood. Mm. But we were also... We lived on the small holdings, so we yeah. were rearing our own animals for the table we Mm. were growing our own vegetables having a go at bread making yogurt making wine which was kind of dubious results but (laughs) sometimes pretty good sometimes (laughs) not so
0: you had to try all of it of course. absolutely
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah I guess that kind of connecting into food and where it comes from was just yeah a big part of my childhood and it is creative like you say whether you're doing woodwork or Mm. Mm. yeah something edible
0: (laughs) so funny isn't it that um You were surrounded, immersed in sort of a sustainable lifestyle, really, to a degree. Way before it was trendy. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, it was just, it was life, not even a lifestyle. It was life.
1: That was very much my grandmother's doing, though. She was very much, she didn't want, you know, she wanted to farm organically as such. Obviously, we weren't certified because it was just Mm. for us. But, you know, she she saw the change that was happening in Britain and, you know, trying to get greater yields putting more pesticides on the land she's like there's no way we should be putting this on our bodies so this
0: is just after the second world war when people were sort of maybe more considerate and thoughtful and, absolutely well, and well, when, of it was rationing when, as well
1: yeah and when farming kind of changed in britain you know to try and get those greater yields like yes. i do think we kind of switched how we we used the land mm. um so my grandmother was very yeah particularly keen that what we put in our bodies was kind of as natural as possible
0: mm. Mm. And, and, and from there, you went on, so, so, you know, picture you in the small holding back in the day, surrounded by fresh herbs, vegetables.
1: It's the did good you, life. Yeah, <laughs> no, it sounds
0: incredible, actually. Well, why did you leave? Um, and, and butchering your own meat to a degree? or, or So you we, know.
1: we reared the meat and then it went about 20 minutes away for slaughter. And I can mm. remember coming back as like a kid and like all the lambs would be on the table ready for bagging for the various freezers. We had like, we had like five big chest freezers mm. um, and my grandfather was I'd say he was the first like nose to tail eater you know we would be having brawn and tongue and everything so yeah nothing got wasted and but I think it was because for some people that's a kind of a strange concept but for me obviously that that's how it was that's how it is you know you didn't waste any food you looked after your animals and you cared for them right up to the end uh, and it was interesting when I did eventually move to London, how it was a big thing about, ooh, this, this broad bean has just come into season. Isn't that amazing? And yes. we're going to put it on the plates. And and I realised how privileged I was, I guess, having that upbringing, that that mm. was just all how it was.
0: It's funny, isn't it? That, um, you know, I really like offal mm. to a degree. Tribe included? Uh, not necessarily. I, I haven't I, met I, I, a
1: tripe recipe I like yet, no, so I'm always on the lookout. No, I
0: don't. I'm going to be. I was going to say I'm really ignorant. I don't know if I've actually ever tried it, actually. In all Start my, with the stuff. In Italian all my 20 stuff. odd years. <laughs> oh, look um, at you? <laughs> <laughs> if only. Um, no, but I love off. I mean, you know, roe, fresh, well, any offal, but fresh roe, liver, kidney, yeah. You know, even the heart, thinly sliced. I think liver
1: is like my ultimate hangover food.
0: Well, do you know it's stunning, and this is the funny thing, isn't it? You know, back in the sort of seventies and school dinners, and the, you know, people would sort of cook this hideous grey meat, you know, with, with this sort of quite quite sort of sour aftertaste, mm. and you know, a, a lot of people I know, sort of of similar age, you know, hate liver, but they never got to try like a rose liver, yeah. something fresh, which is it's totally different. It's yeah. sweet. It's oh, it's heaven.
1: Yeah. Sweetbreads, I'm really into as well. I yes, love them deep fried then with like some capers, parsley, lemon juice. Yes, Very nice. yeah. <laughs>
0: but do you think it's um? Do you think it's a combination or or either really cost or education that's really led people? I would say off track from 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 thinking oh, we only eat chicken, beef, pork, fish fingers, the idea of a pheasant or, you know, some fresh... And I know sometimes there's maybe been an expense attached with that, possibly. Mm -hmm. What's your take on that? I mean, what do you... That's a big question. No,
1: I think it's fascinating and something I've begun to talk... Well, I think I thought about it, but just talking about it more now, I kind of understand the world a little bit more and the more foodie or people that I talk to. But in Britain for instance we had obviously the industrial revolution very quickly and so we moved away from the land into cities and to different kind of working and whether that kind of disconnected us from where the food came from so we didn't understand maybe didn't have the respect whereas if you maybe look at like France and Italy who had it later you could still you know they still worked on the land much more they were part of it they saw the seasons they saw what was naturally coming up and so maybe that's kind of where the split happened for the UK and we just got out of touch of, Yes, you know, eating well.
0: There's no respect for food, is there, it seems?
1: Well, I don't think... I think that's a really broad statements yeah. I'm always very cautious about not just kind of cart everything but yeah. I think there's a, a well there hasn't
0: a, been so I think there is coming back absolutely, now absolutely yeah. yeah
1: in the same way I think we've got some incredible farming ideas going on now mm. you know you talk about regenerative farming or we've got some incredible organic very high st- and we have you know we have amazing animal welfare standards in the UK particularly you know when you start looking further abroad so it's something we've got so much to be proud of I think education is key and engaging children in the kitchen from a young age again I think is key so I wonder you know after this last year of lockdown people spending a lot more time at home will we have inspired and kind of given confidence to this new generation of of little chefs. It is a confidence isn't it? It is.
0: I know when you started at uh, the River Cafe you came in my terminology shortly after jay did you cross over with jamie or had he just left he'd, when you came in? left
1: and right. started at stardom okay cool
0: so he was riding around on a scooter being a being cool. a, bit of a mod and a cook yeah. sliding down banisters <laughs> and things i remember that um because he he did the you know the school dinner thing didn't he which i you know i hoped i mean from what i saw it was real and and clearly there's a you know like everything we do there's a pr thing attached and you know and so on but i thought that was bloody good
1: I think anything that gets the conversation going is great. I think it's very hard to tell someone what to do with their children or how to live their lives. So I do think there's a kind of danger of stick carrot you know you're bad you're doing this wrong like you can't it's very hard to criticize people because you know there is a financial side always to this argument mm. as well so I'm much more of the school like I want to encourage and enthuse people and I do feel that's you know honey is better than vinegar so you want to yes. sweeten people's experience with food and education encourage them to to make yes. it better. Yeah, But he did, I mean, he is an amazing campaigner because obviously he's also worked on things like British fish um, as well and and meat standards. And I suppose
0: one could argue, you know, yes, you're creating PR, but actually you're creating more power. And if that power is put to good use, then that's actually...
1: Yeah, education is power, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, it's going to sound really arrogant, but my son, I wasn't, but my son is fortunate enough to go to a private school. Um, we cook a lot of food at home. He's into his food. He will eat awful and, yeah. um, you know, he shoots with me. So he sort of, he loves his cooking and his, and his proper food. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's appalled at the fact that in his mind, and he's young, he's 13, that he goes to a nice school, his words, and still the food's bloody awful. <laughs> and, and he said it really isn't very nice at all. Yeah. And, and and I assumed, maybe wrongly, that, um, you know, the state system is always, you know, sort of clambering for, for, for a bit of cash and investment. And I get that they've got to deliver. And so sometimes, not necessarily standards, but maybe ingredients, things will. Or had you just know, thought the, the
1: food's so amazing at home that anything in comparison <sighs> is going to look shoddy. I think
0: it's largely that as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? You think, you know, really, it, it's not difficult, is it? It's not it's difficult. Not Why difficult. is it still rubbish food?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously a challenge in mass catering always, and yes, um, you know, if you can supply school meals at home for some people, you know, it's it's really important to have that. I mean, state and private are different there because yes. th- maybe if you're paying personally for it, you expect a certain level. But again, there's been some incredible campaigning about having free school meals at the moment, and especially yes. through holiday times and these kind of you know during the COVID time um, and I think that's really important so there's got to be a balance of like you know it doesn't have to be fine dining but providing it's nutritious mm.
0: it's funny though isn't it I think a lot of the, the the things that are you know eating habits are really habitual and I I've always made this joke that if McDonald's did a McPheasant burger that then people would think well yeah we can eat chicken pheasant beef pork because it's funny isn't it most people eat pork chicken they'll Maybe this has changed now in the last, I don't know, 20 years maybe, but a turkey was largely purchased for Christmas. Yeah, People are quite sort of strangely stuck in their ways. I've noticed uh, uh, an up in sales with turkey with the sort of... uh, the, the rise in fitness programs and people doing fitness—well, not videos, DVDs—and and so now Turkey is obviously. Well, you know, now's one the time the,
1: for pheasant and partridge then Well, because, yeah, you know, nutrition-wise, it beats them all hands down. And venison, down. yeah. I
0: mean, you yeah. know, and, p- and pigeon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wonderful, Oof, lean, stunning meat.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it takes, I think, a, a long time to change people's habits, and yes. it, it takes a lot of voices. And a lot of different tones because you have got to connect to a big, wide audience, all with their different kind of, um, I guess, levels of where they're coming from in terms of understanding about food. So I think it just, yeah, it takes like a mass strategy approach to it.
0: Maybe I'm showing my age now, but maybe we need to get finders to do a pigeon cake or something in breadcrumb or something. Like
1: oh, like finders of the tins, weren't they? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah and, the, and the frozen packs, weren't yeah, they? Sort okay, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're still yeah. around, but uh,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you... I d- for birds? I know. I do. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Anyway, moving on. Can't beat a fish
0: finger, right? <laughs> I well, think you, I call him Goujon in me. my
1: trade. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Put a double price tag on that's it. That's it, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Remark yeah. it. Well, actually, though, but take that joking aside. So say you had pheasant goujons or pheasant, pheasant fingers. Yes. It's something that's recognisable as a food source. So, or, you know, venison lasagna, And I think that is a really amazing way to get more people to try a game, realise that they can use it in everyday family cooking.
0: Do you know, that's a really interesting point, because I would assume that most think of a bird in the feather. You know, Mm -hmm. don't want that, let's hit one of the supermarkets and get the chicken in cling film or pork or whatever. But a bird in the feather. But actually, when you break it down and, you know, it's not just that bird on it which for me is as delicious but uh, for for, say the non-believer or the person who hasn't tried yeah you can turn it into a cottage pie or you know i know that's related to beef but you know what i mean something with potatoes something with pasta yeah fajitas yes
1: you know and i think i do think that's a great i try and do that with my recipes i kind of do a mix because obviously like the field reader they're all generally Really competent cooks, and you know, they'll know their way around game. And so, I'm saying
0: that's a magazine just for educated
1: people, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just saying it's a resource for game cookery. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: actually untrue because I read it, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know you're our number one fan. <laughs> uh, where was I? No, so, um, but then also trying to include more kind of. Less traditional, more jazzy recipes, more family-friendly recipes. So I kind of do trying to do a balance. So if people then come, particularly like say to the website, mm. they'll go, oh yeah, that's a great idea, uh, venison lasagna, let's say, all that kind of thing.
0: I mean, on that, have you got uh, a sort of a, you, you know, an, a cultural influence with your recipes? I mean, I, I, obviously as a chef, you've got to stay broad, and if you're cooking for clients, they may dictate the menu. But is there one or a couple of things that do sort of direct your train of thought? when cooking generally
1: yeah no absolutely not my mind doesn't work like that so it's very much influenced yes of course I'm there to please the client so I'll make sure that it's something they're going to enjoy but you know it very much depends on the location the season the the occasion so food for me you know it's this incredible way obviously of bringing people to the table and having fun so you want to reflect everything that's going on around so if I go to the market down in the south of France and I see some incredible peaches that's what we're, I'm going to bring back and put on the table for lunch because that's what the best ingredient is. If I'm up in Scotland cooking, you know, um, cooking for a shoot, I'm going to be using stuff from the land, you know, whether yeah. they're chanterelles or whether it's the game. And it's very much trying to include, be appropriate for the situation and use the best ingredients locally that I'm going to fi- can find. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's so exciting. I love the chop and change. I mean, I did work in restaurants for years and it was an incredible... Trainings or it was an incredible experience, mm. but as a private chef, suddenly getting to go here, there, and everywhere, getting to go to like where they're producing the best mozzarella or where they're producing some incredible salt marsh lamb, you know, it's it's a joy. It's it's really exciting.
0: Mm. Do you think you chose it or it chose you?
1: Oh, I don't know if I'm that deep on the thinking. Well,
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm interested because I know you said to me that it, you mm. um, you coming from the small holding, so surrounded by sort of pretty much everything that you are related to now but but at, at one point when you were younger you were going to pursue the study of geography
1: <laughs> yeah and, and, I, I, yeah i mean i think
0: and that you had a sort of a moment i think when you said you opened a fridge and looked at something and went hold on a minute
1: well, yeah, I love this. Yeah, no, I mean, what happened? I mean, I'd worked in restaurants since I was fourteen. I was really lucky; I had these two inspirational women who ran this cafe locally. It was my first job, Saturday job. It's so much fun. I love the heat, the noise. You know, the kind of that service there is a, buzz. There is a vibe. Isn't there is such a buzz, mm. and I think you know it's really important for as many people as possible to get through the industry, restaurant industry when they're young because it teaches you so much about teamwork, about kind of, you know, goals, being neat, being tidy, um, and as well as kind of creative. But anyway, so I, I... Knew I loved it, but I thought, oh, I better carry on with my studies. And I was home educated quite a lot. So I kind of, I did my A-levels as a correspondence course. So maybe I didn't have the best careers advice as such, but um, it did mean that I could carry on and do other things. So, you know, I rode a lot and I carried on working quite a bit, doing my A-levels. And then... I thought it was just the thing to do, I guess, particularly in my generation. Like, oh, you go off to university and get a degree. I was quite good at geography, so I thought, well, I'll go and try that at least. Mm. And I did my first year and I made sure I did my exams. And then I I went, I was doing my restaurant jobs and the holidays still. Mm. And I, it, was a, it wasn't a kind of epiphany. I, I was inside cleaning the fridge. I was thinking... I don't want to go back to university. I want want to move to London. I want to be in this industry. I want to go and work in other restaurants. You know, I absolutely love this and i went home and told my parents and they're so supportive like they worked really hard to kind of put me through a good education and help me you know with my home studies and but they're very much like you've got to follow your dreams and you know providing you work hard i think
0: it's really ballsy as well because you 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 did openly share with me that you know back when you were younger you suffered a little bit with dyslexia a little bit's an understatement and and actually (laughs) no no but you know and, and it's an interesting point because i i i i think you know people where they they have these little struggles this is uh not the best example but it's like someone who's blind but then their hearing is you know twice as good as as whatever the norm is and and I sort of thought you know d- 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 dyslexia or having you know d- dyslexia actually aid what you do now in the sense of it's made you sort of more passionate, more tuned in, and actually, I'm I'm saying two things here. I also thought it was a really ballsy uh, choice, even though ultimately you, you you decided against it to actually go to university because dyslexia is you know can be a super tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I just I'm relating
0: it to numbers and letters. I don't have it. I'm just crap at most things. But I assume that it's that sort of muddling. And and so, you know, I would imagine for one who has it would be, you know, bloody frustrating, to say the least. It was
1: very frustrating in the education system, I think, Mm. because it wasn't picked up and it wasn't particularly considered back when I was at school. And it it started to. And it, it really taught me actually about... Teachers, So I had some who were very dismissive of me saying, well, she's not trying. She's lazy. You know, like she should be getting the A pluses and I'm going to give her a C because it's sloppy. And, you know, I knew I was trying really hard. I wanted to, you know, I'm very competitive. You know, I wanted to do well. And then I had the few amazing teachers who just saw these kind of bridges all these gaps and just really help me think about things in a different way and I think that's actually when it relates back to cooking so like particularly you know you have to work out a way to get to where you want to go and because it's a live environment the kitchen whether I was at a restaurant or a private chefing like you have to be able to adapt very quickly to get to the answer or to get to the right place so I think that's really helped like being very fluid in my thinking I'm not rigid, like oh I have to do this this and this yeah. I'll just get the job done somehow
0: Well I think that's the nice thing isn't it as we're in the uh, the, you know the the more modern age from back in our school days certainly mine um, clearly school dinners are still sort of uh, not of a standard but but teaching seems to have you know lifted massively and you know I remember you know sort of counterparts of mine who, who you know came from sort of you know tough backgrounds or you know, weren't particularly sharp on a certain subject and they usually would just get hammered uh, and, and actually reflecting back, you know, a really sad thing because there was always that one teacher, wasn't there, that was able to just bring something out of you or a handful of teachers. Yeah, yeah. And actually everybody's very different, you know, and and, and a lot of, a couple of these, it was a couple of, there's one in particular actually who I used to go to school, they did struggle in fact, there were two, there was a he and a she, and they became hugely successful in their fields.
1: Absolutely. I you mean, know. you know, Shakespeare was dyslexic, apparently. Not that I knew him personally, but <laughs> 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 apparently, forward, I think. Richard Branson. I mean, there's lots of very successful people who succeeded and, you know, you can use as examples. And I think as well, you've got to have the attitude of like, yes, you're dyslexic, but why does it stop you from But doing I wonder, that? and I'm,
0: I know this sounds rude, but I wonder, and I'm going to say the word of that little weakness... No, dare, yeah. dare I use that term? Actually, enhances all the other parts.
1: Absolutely. And then
0: you get these superstars in these particular fields.
1: Yeah, because you yeah. have to work out, like I said, other ways to do things. Yeah. And so other senses, like you say, kind of sharpen, mm. and you you just muddle on through. You know, you slightly ignore the bits that you can't do, or yeah. find other ways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there is a there is a pattern with these people as well. Um, I found they do have a very interesting take on life. And they, they seem to be able to, you know, I'm, I'm, if you think of a, a circle and the information's inside it and talking about myself personally, I'm stood at the circle. I can't move that far around the circle. These people seem to be able to go all the way around and look at things from a different angle and go, actually... And it just makes me feel stupid. <laughs> I oh, just no. think, how do you do that? It's incredible. I guess we and, all
1: bring something to the party. That's yeah, something.
0: yeah. Well, I've got a friend of mine who did work with Richard Branson, and then he went on to, to do his own thing. And he has such an interesting take. In some areas, he's, you know, it's not happening. But in
1: others, it's... Yeah. And it, like you say, I think it makes you want to succeed even more. Yes. You know, if you, you're faced with a bit of adversity. I mean, mine was just dyslexia, but... Oh, for me, you know, I, I try not to think of it as a challenge, but it just—it was, I guess, a challenge yeah. because I, I felt I struggled at school. Um, but uh, yeah, it makes you it makes you want to get over the get over the jump and do get yeah, over the finish line.
0: Yeah, no, that's really cool. So, of course, then I'm thinking the next fairly healthy hurdle. You have found your passion. You're working in two of these incredible places, obviously not at the same time. River Caffa Moros. What then made you make the break to say, I'm going to go and do this on my own? And why did you do that?
1: Well, so Morrow, I'd worked at it for about three years, and it's this incredible restaurant in in Farringdon, so in East London. They've got some great
0: books as well. Incredible books. I think Benita's got all of them. Yeah,
1: Spanish, (laughs) kind of Middle Eastern food, Mm. Turkish, run by this incredible couple called Sam and Sam, which I really love. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) That's a brand in itself, isn't it? It is a brand. They are a brand. Um, And they were really encouraging. But obviously there's only so far you can go in a restaurant. It was their restaurant, so I'm never going to own the restaurant. (laughs) Um, And one day I remember one of the women who worked on the bar kind of came and chatted me with a twinkle in her eye going, Philippa, I was at the weekend uh, at this farm in London with my kids and and they're looking for someone to set up their cafe. Um, You know, I thought thought of you, you should go and have a look. And I, I hadn't thought about moving on. You know, but I thought, oh, that sounds fun. And, you know, obviously, having grown up in the country, I've got huge connections to animals, and I love being out yes. in the open. And I love the city. I love both, but, you know, my heart's kind of there. And I um, I went and had a look, and I just fell in love with the space. So it's 32 acres. It's called Mud Chute City Farm, just behind Canary Wharf. Wow. And um, they'd kind of had a space there, but no, they'd never really done anything with it. Anyway, so I... I think when I know I want to do something, I will jump. Like, I yeah. won't think too much about it because there's always yeah. pros and cons. So if, if, if the feeling, gut feeling strong enough, I'll, I'll go for it. So I went for it, set up and ran this restaurant. And, you know, we did great. We kind of, we got voted one of the best places to eat by the Telegraph, by Time Out. We built, you know, we built this huge community. Yeah, no, it was Brilliant. really exciting. We started eating the animals. <laughs> we <laughs> did a bit of foraging on the farm and had an allotment. I had this amazing guy who was on the trustees. Um, he was an ex-vicar. Retired Vicar, right, okay. Vicar sorry. Okay. Uh, Bringing a bit he, of soul into food, yeah? Well, okay. no, he was this amazing <laughs> man that whenever... It, well, he'd come, like he built me a wood oven there because Morrow and the River Cafe both had wood ovens. So for me, it was this incredible way to cook. Like it's, you know, it's not it's just the skill of like how long and temperature, you know, just feeding the different types of wood in and different positions in the oven. And anyway, wow. so he built me this wood oven and he built me a smokehouse. He built right. me like this, this proper barbecue outside, helped me with my allotment. And so for me, it was this magical playground. I know it was work, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then the other kind of cool side about that is that we had loads of actors. So I had like basic. You know, Guildhall and all these very exciting people come and do my front of house because it's this perfect kind of synergy the two worlds. Because obviously, you kind of need the The theater, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for about three and a half years, and that was my first kind of you know, I didn't financially own it, but I owned it with my soul and heart, I guess, yeah. Um, and then that kind of again. There are. It was a charity. The profits from the cafe kind of went back into the into the farm, which was great for the farm. But you know, again, it's just how much of my life was I going to put into this? You no. know, it was set up and it was running. And then one of the customers came in one day and asked me to go and cook for her, her house for her birthday. I thought, well oh, that sounded quite fun. Why not? So I went and did that, and that again just sparked something else in me. I was thinking, oh, I love this. I love coming out to someone else's kitchen and kind of looking through the cupboard. We got a short
0: attention span, do you think?
1: Huh. <laughs> 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 I don't know three three and a half years at both places. Like, well, yeah. I've been private chefing now for ten years. Yeah. So and no, I don't have a short attention span. If I love something, I will throw my heart and soul into it. But you, why would you stay on the same thing the whole time? I guess as a creative you know you want to see the world and do as much as possible and
0: well I suppose I assume and maybe this is a a sort of a a, a boring train of thought but I you know I I see most chefs who sort of get as passionate as you are the next progression seems to be to get a premises you know and open up and I'm here and the creativity is in maintaining that bar seasonal foods more creative foods that that the art but it's interesting that you you clearly have exactly the same knowledge passion input energy yet you're also going out to all these different places people's houses i mean so the
1: thing about working at mud was it it was although i was was working six days a week for three and a half years but even on your day off like if, if it was open you'd be on the phone or you know and it was just it it was such a huge commitment which is fine but it wasn't wasn't mine and then obviously you're tied to that place and then also you're tied to that concept and brand of the restaurant so yes great to be seasonal but if you're positioned in that part you know in London you're yeah, so you have that confinement. Whereas, as a private chef, I realized, like I said earlier, you know, I'm going off to find these amazing ingredients. I could suddenly see so much more of the world. I love travel. I mean, I just think there's nothing better to so kind of like open your mind. So you're like a refined
0: version of Floyd, really, aren't you?
1: <laughs> 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 Less booze with the same outcome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm kidding, I wouldn't know <laughs> I've only Where's seen one picture of you drinking <laughs> I think it was the sort of after hours clip you do with the cocktails oh, I, thought, yeah. oh, here we well, go. I do love my
1: cocktails that's true <laughs> um, yeah so I think what, you know what private chefing has brought to all that kind of cre- creativity and passion is the joy of moving around and then being able to feed in my writing. Left, so I've always loved writing, and again, that's something I kind of struggle with my dyslexia. Thinking, well, how can a writer be dyslexic? But you know, a girl was dyslexic. Yes, but, you know, there's lots of people who are, and that's what amazing editors are parent. for. You yes. know, you've got you've got the ideas in your brain, but then you just need the help. Kind of, you put them down. Well, and, yeah, and I and think it's,
0: it's about getting out of fear, isn't it? Getting out, you know, the person into words. Yeah. And yes, and it's you telling know, a
1: story. It's engaging an audience yeah. you know yeah and
0: i think if that editor can get you then i think it's a, it's a good tool to create a fine product i mean i yeah i see that as perfectly acceptable and i i wouldn't have thought there were many writers that yeah, it's not like create... we throw a
1: bag of words at them and go i know there's a good story i've got a big issue with spelling i have to say and then yeah my mind yeah. doesn't always quite remember the words right do you know
0: what it's a thing called spell check it's easy. yeah just Thank do goodness. that you and every other bugger yeah. tell you. yeah yeah my Apart from poor. Benita. Oh. she's a, a, a grammar Nazi. Oh, um, well, so, maybe I should uh, get her to bed if I my get, work. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: she's overworked at the moment. Oh, she's sorry, got mine.
1: No. <laughs> Come on, sharing is caring.
0: <laughs> um, on the writing, actually, obviously, you've been in the field, we know that. Do you write for any other sort of more food orientated magazines?
1: Uh, yeah, so I've done a bit for BBC Food, which has been great because obviously you've got a huge kind of coverage then. Yeah. Um, uh, and then um also for Dorset magazine yes. which I love because obviously I live in Dorset and I have had my base there for many years well, I was so you say
0: you're almost rooted there aren't you really yeah Your roots feel, are there rather it's yes. funny
1: because obviously more and more people have homes in different places or have lived in different places and we all feel more torn as we get older like where is home but I guess luckily for me my parents have always been in Dorset I've always kind of had a base there so as much as I travel or wherever I am in the world I kind of I guess, yeah, there's a part of me there which has been really grounding.
0: It seems to be a very uh, that's a silly comment. It just came into my head. This is not uh, part of any clever research or anything. But thinking about it, and obviously it's coastal, which plays a large part, but we've got coastal around the country. But there's a lot of foodies stretching from, say, uh, Somerset, uh, New Forest even, come back a bit more. All the way down to Cornwall, isn't there? Yeah. And some real well known names and people currently now. Seems to be almost like a hotspot for it. But it's food.
1: amazing produce around there. Of course. You know, where you Well
0: you've got that, I suppose that trend that, that crossover of obviously stuff that's coming out of the uh, you know, out the sea. And yeah. of course the wonderful the land. Gra- Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know,
1: obviously as a chef that's your dream scenario, like to be able to locally source food off the land or locally off the city you know, off the water. Yes. Um, what more would you want? I mean that's that's yeah. why we cook, to, to get to play with these incredible produce. Um, yeah. Sorry, so you're asking about the the writings so, here. Yeah, so BBC, the um, the Dorset magazine. But the big project I'm working on at the moment is this book um, series called Deepest. So we've done Deepest Dorset. Yes. Deepest Wiltshire, and at the moment I'm working on Deepest Somerset, Brilliant. and it's this incredible book. Uh, they raise money for we raise money for local charities from the profits but the book looks at the art the history the culture and obviously the food uh, which is where I come in um, of each county so for me well when we our first book was deepest Dorset and I wanted so I kind of I do my research of what are the producers, what are the farmers, the artisans within the county? And then I kind of come up with an idea of, okay, what am I gonna make, what recipes? So I do a series of recipes and and I kind of go through from breakfast all the way through to dinner. And then um, I wanted to, because I do the food photography and styling as well, I wanted to photograph the food on things that have been made in that county. So I was choosing plates and be- basket weavers and rugs and stuff.
0: Do you, do you let anybody else do anything else? No. Do you?
1: <laughs> no, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I do. I, no, no, I'm I doing have, that. Uh, no, I have a lot. I do, I, you do need a lot of help, particularly of the do. more you juggle. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people are always keen to give people advice. So sometimes I listen, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Very frustrating for those around me, I'm sure.
0: So it's almost like a mini doomsday book for each county then, really, isn't it? I suppose encapsulating, oh, wow. yeah. you know, everything yeah. about it. I mean, it's a lovely thing.
1: It is beautiful. And I assume
0: would be quite timeless.
1: Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. Because it isn't just like, this is what's happened this year. And it's not a tourist book. It's, it's, it's a look at everything. Uh, and it's just a celebration. I love it. Their, t- their tagline is um, celebrating the roots of unique communities. And I just think that's a beautiful, nice. yeah, really beautiful thing.
0: Nice. That's what I liked about... Um, River Cottage, when it first started. Yeah. You know, Hughes, you know, he's got a nice way about him. I've never met him, he seems yeah. like a lovely chap. But uh, it's the way that they, it wasn't obvious. Yeah. yeah. and it touched on that real that the local there's wassailing yeah. with the with the apples Have you been on a
1: wassail? I haven't. You've got to go.
0: Yeah, and I and I um I've got some big old legs to go wobbly when I neck cider, so uh, I'd <laughs> love the opportunity to find out.
1: Well, in my deepest Somerset research, I've been doing a lot of cider drinking, purely in research terms. Obviously, it's all very professional, but <laughs> it's pretty amazing stuff. I, I driving
0: really good. No, no,
1: no, drinking it <laughs> The um but I've been drinking it like almost champagne, so you know, serving in little coops and you know, when it's not Nicely chilled at the beginning. It's a really lovely little pair of teeth I've decided. That's, lovely. Yeah.
0: What's the um what's the pear drink called again
1: perry perry that's yeah. right perry's very
0: nice Yeah, I, I, well. and
1: pears are quite sweet for my palate in drink format yeah. I know they can I love that kind of acidity of the, the, the side and there. actually they're I in think, the, think
0: they're more inland aren't they I think there's big producers sort of around Gloucestershire and things there's there a lot around Herefordshire as thank well thank that's yeah. it yeah. Yeah. yeah that's
1: it I just thought of one more thing that I'm particularly proud of my writing which is I do stuff for the Condo Nest House and Garden because one of my biggest um, I'm not sure I like the word passion but it is a passion It's my total love is eating out so I write all these as, as I travel I always get to eat out a lot whether it's with my clients or just with my, by myself or you know friends and so I write these kind of where and what to eat So I have this big FOMO when I go somewhere I do so much research of like what should I be eating where should I be eating uh, and I think that's really important as well like it isn't just about where to eat it's like what should you be eating that place what is local what is seasonal so I write well, I'm, all these lists I'm, anyway. I'm backtracking to, to yeah, when I mentioned earlier about no 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 no. you're not no sorry I'm, <laughs> I'm
0: just saying just building up the the comment which is saying I'm, I'm backtracking to you know I said I uh, assume why you wouldn't have a you know a location a restaurant something like that but I can see that uh the travel and specifically as you are uh, sort of a private chef or one of your guys is as a private chef and you travel all around the world that I suppose one could end up in a a village, a town, in a country you've maybe not been to before. Mm. And not only are you there exercising your skill as said chef, cook, but you're going to get to go out and see all this produce.
1: I know, it's the best.
0: And maybe there's stuff you haven't heard of before, but stuff you haven't thought of, oh, crikey, I didn't realise they did that, and, you know, dried goods and meats. I mean, that must... Now I'm thinking about it.
1: I know you want to be a private chef. Don't that's you? really
0: no. I just want to follow you and just eat oh. the food. Yeah, that's all. Um, <laughs> but I just think that that's 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 really exciting.
1: It is, and it's. I think
0: rather than having someone delivering stuff to your unit once a day, you you're go. actually feeling it. Yeah. and and you, you. I mean, for me. Um, you know, to sit in France eating snails and a nice wine or, or, or to sit in Cornwall and have some fresh fish. and yeah. a pi- I mean, yeah. it, you. So once you're you, you're in yeah. the environment, it seems to yeah. sort of almost enhance. But
1: it's my job to go and properly seek out, like, what is what is it that we should be eating while we're here? You know, obviously, you kind of tend to naturally fall into it if you're going somewhere on holiday. But if you've got someone professional doing that and who will put the research in... So I'm such a geek. I like doing my research. So I will, you know, I'll look at... Food. I think that's just being professional. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, sorry, geekish I know, at but, all. yeah no that's true yeah mm. thank you yes it's professional yeah. you but put the
0: glasses on you look geekish I... but apart from that yeah. <laughs>
1: thanks
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not geekish at all no no it's but totally only because I, I get
1: so in, I get so intense and I do like I said I have this where, Like I don't want to miss out on anything when I'm there I want to celebrate everything I can so I'll, I'll look at you know food bloggers at restaurant menus just to see what they've got on, where they're getting their produce from and then I'll go and talk to everyone these poor people when they meet me this crazy English woman but you know I want to just hear everything all their suggestions and Mm. yeah no it's an amazing part of the job
0: probably an awkward question to answer I suppose but there's a lot of well there's a ream of chefs and cooks out there and and like everything there's reams of everything and then there's a smaller percentage of really good you know, of that uh, particular, whatever it is. Um, there's lots of chefs. There's lots of cooks. There's lots of very good ones. Do you, when you're cooking, when you're creating, subconsciously, are you doing it because you want to expand or try something? Or is there a little bit in the back of the head that thinks, oh, I've got to get my finger out because so and so is doing that. They've started doing that. And I think I ought to try and you know, just to almost keep ahead. I'm saying that because you said you were A, slightly competitive and B, that obviously in this modern world, which I don't particularly like, everything moves at 100 miles an hour and we almost all feel like we've got to be working all the time and got to be creating. Is that for you?
1: I mean, things do move fast, but that's often so in social media or magazines because they've got to come up with new content. But realistically, in the home, people don't always want to be challenged or no you know having something new flung at them particularly if they maybe they've got a younger family that they're trying to encourage eat well or you know so it's not always wanting to be challenged but um I think it's a mix because obviously again I think as a creative you do want to keep expanding your repertoire and looking out and I don't feel I need to change I hate changing unnecessarily like if I have a perfect lemon tart recipe which I do by the way yes. <laughs> you know I'm not going to yeah, just all start your to, recipes are perfect, perfect yeah? yeah okay <laughs> No, but you know you don't want to unnecessarily jostle around with that. Gild so. the lily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very much, um, and I'm not like a, a, a fine dining um, chef. It's much more going back into the, to the produce to that river cafe style, like making sure mm. that you present real food, yeah, present food. the ingredients the best way to make them shine, and mm. it, that's appropriate, kind of you know for the occasion. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do naturally again if you're moving around for different clients and you're in different situations so you know whether you're out in Singapore say or I don't know down over in the Caribbean you're going to be changing what you're cooking Mm. because the ingredients are different and you're going to be inspired by different things and the weather's going to be different Um, so that's you know it's enough change I think within the repertoire.
0: Yeah what is your what would be your favorite sort of culture region type or cultural sort of region of food, sort of style of food, flavours. What you know, if you had to pick one I
1: hate this question. I know. I it's boring, it, isn't it? It's well, not, girl, no, I it's saying. not boring. It's just so <laughs> it's hard tedious. To no, 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 no. It's just hard to answer. Yeah. Like there is so much out there with so much kind of identity and uniqueness that you they all have their merits and their kind of downfalls. And I I I mean I think it depends like who, when people ask me because I might just suddenly I went to the first time last year in January just before um, coronavirus or picked up I was in Tokyo for the first time in Japan yes. and it's this kind of it was this brand new world of food that I mean obviously I've eaten kind of Japanese in the UK and New York and stuff but I hadn't eaten it where in situ. And so for me, I was saying, like, oh, I'm obsessed with this. Like, what are all these flavors and textures? And, you know, so that's something I kind of want to expand on more. Or, you know, so it depends where you go. Although I think if I had to actually give you an answer, um, I'm quite often drawn to those Mediterranean flavors. So those yes. gutsy kind of olives and ripe tomatoes and mm. rose and. <laughs>
0: <laughs> chilled. That's it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Slip chilled. that one in there. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, no, variety is definitely the spot of life yes
0: well i was thinking when i was i was thinking about you know before you know you coming in and and questions and you know having talked to you and i thought to myself if someone asked me what's your favorite meal you know what's your favorite i think i've probably got 50 yeah and it depends on mood yeah time of year to a degree you know probably wouldn't have a huge great stew in the middle of summer yeah um it's very difficult isn't it yeah it's like saying what's
1: your favorite restaurant again like who are you with what's the occasion yes
0: you know do you have a chef or chefs that you look up to,
1: uh, loads, loads. You? you know, and I'm always reading. Whether it's uh, you know on Instagram, there's lots of inspiration. Magazines like uh, you know, I think Delicious magazine is a particularly incredible one. I think they're really, are very in touch with like what's happening all over the UK, and they're very humble. I want to write for them, so no, <laughs> no, I genuinely think they're great. Um, you've got and you've got loads of amazing food features going on at um, that. In terms of chefs, it depends again because you know. I love eating out, so whether I'm, I'm eating at someone's restaurant, but I'd never maybe prepare their food, but they might bring in like a flavour combination that I really love. Or oh. um, I try and keep it quite broad, not kind of, yeah yeah i'm a floozy with my affections That's it. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to food <laughs> <laughs> quickly inserted there yes
0: so 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 you suggest that your favorite food is is you know sort of tapas style you know fresh
1: well no MC my flavor food. the flavors, flavor sorry yeah so,
0: so so would that be your favorite location as well sort of um, where the food comes from you know traveling wise
1: uh, i like got the weather out there <laughs> yeah of course yeah mediterranean um, there's some amazing, um, one of my first jobs was down in Provence. Well, actually, my first two jobs, one was in Provence and one was in Ibiza. And Provence, just the markets are, incre- they are proper French markets that everyone kind of, I think, sometimes dreams about. Because certainly all French markets aren't the same. It depends where you are. But that particular mm. region is exceptional. Um, and i remember like i said one of my first jobs was ibiza and i I couldn't i was a very wealthy client Mm -hmm. and they were like oh we're off to ibiza for the weekend with a group and i was like ibiza you know this is like Mm. 10 years ago you don't eat out there do you just drink and bob around isn't it a bit messy pulling faces anyway i got there and it was like james bond villa just so beautiful it's a really
0: spiritual island oh it's a
1: stunning island the beaches are incredible because particularly like the little kind of more off the beaten track ones because they are so natural and rugged. The food is insane. I mean, it's mm. the fresh fish, the vegetables. you know, It's a very rich soil there because, you know, the volcanic island. Yes. I mean, and then the restaurant standard again was just so high, just completely... Yeah, and then I think I realised how open you had to be when you travel. Like you know, go and go and search. Don't make your mind up obviously before you get there.
0: Don't go to a restaurant that's got a picture of the food on the <laughs> on the and plate.
1: in Japan, <laughs> it's really normal to have those little plastic models of the food outside. So actually, it's it's well, they the don't need models because their
0: fish move anyway, don't they? When they serve <laughs> them on a plate, of Well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> some of them.
0: <laughs> Not sure I'd do that for me personally. But yeah, uh,
1: I must feel extraordinary having something kind of. Conan
0: yes, offering. yes. I, you have to be anyway, careful what on, you sorry. say, don't you? But <laughs> yes. I'm just slightly juiced. I know, you know, different places eat different meats and Absolutely. things like that. And, yeah. you know, there's yeah. some stuff I I can't get my head around. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And
1: you have to respect, I think, in some terms, other people's cultural heritage. And
0: Do you know what? I think it's like everything. And actually, it comes back to shooting. It's not, you know, horse meat, you know. So, right? so I think it's the process and the attitude and, and how the whole... Uh, well, process is carried out. Mm. You know, a respect of food for a food source. I think when you see the the mass production of and you know bluntly cruelty, then uh, yeah, that's, no, that's uh, never obviously a repulsive I mean, thing. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, not good sure. at all. No, no.
0: So, um, why haven't you ever shot? Why haven't you? are a country girl. You're indoor. You're surrounded by shooting. You are right for the field, yep. amongst others. Yeah. Um,
1: well, I've, I've, I've done clay shooting uh, okay. a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's not that I won't shoot. It's more at the moment I feel I want to. I, I I'm, I'm part of the shooting world very much because I I go of off and cook for them like the same uh, a picker upper or a beater would be. You know. So I feel very yes. much part of it and educating myself more and more about it. I see the game as this incredible food source. So I'm coming at it from a chef's perspective. Yeah. And I feel I want to, again, that kind of clumsy phrase of wanting to straddle the audiences. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I really want to engage. Another one for the blokes. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> I really want to engage as many people as possible to be excited about this meat. And I kind of feel slightly where, you know, I don't want to be seen as, as just part of maybe that community. Well, that's why
0: I asked about the Field magazine, yeah. you know, because, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Of course it is. We don't need to big them up. They're, they're big enough. Yeah. Um. You know, was it that fear of, of almost being niched as a sort of a gamey type chef as opposed to a chef?
1: Well, I guess I'm not no. just a gamey chef. No, clearly chef. you're not. You are a chef but and I you have bring, ties yeah. to... Yeah. And, but I can bring that knowledge and experience and enthusiasm to my game recipes. Are uh, you happy
0: for people shooting pheasants?
1: Well, of course, yeah. Otherwise yeah. I wouldn't be no. part of... Yeah, no. but I think it's got to be eaten. That's my big... Yes. You know, it's it, it's a food source. You know, you shoot to eat. So um, yeah, so it's, it's it's about trying to engage as many people and just seeing. You know, I always think it's all about following, um, having examples. You know, so lead by example. So yes, and the uh, and
0: and it's not a deal at all. But I'm just just curious. You know, you've shot clays. Yeah. you cooked. Are you going to ask how good
1: I was or bad? No, 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 no.
0: I know you're brilliant. Obviously, uh, no. um, <laughs> I've made <no>.
1: my dyslexia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you hundred. It was actually what, zero, zero. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm just... And you shouldn't... Not that you would have had to, but I'm just curious as to why you're immersed in, in different levels within, and you haven't had a crack at, you know, a peg in the field. I'm sure it will happen. I
1: just... I do feel... I want, and there are some amazing chefs and, and, and kind of game writers out there who do do very much both. They are, yeah. you know, yeah. That, that I'm not typical. suggesting
0: you should do it all the time. The moment. Yeah. you haven't even just, yeah. you know, thought. Oh well, I'm on this end of the uh, of the process. I'm that end of the yeah. process. Yeah. Let's even just ever join the mid, yeah. join the ends together. You yeah. know, just no. I think so. I
1: know, inevitably, I mean, it will happen. Yeah. But I do feel that you know there's such a strong identity to the shooting community. That creates this incredible food resource. So, yes. how can you engage a wider audience? Yes. And I feel by representing yourself as someone who, you know, would you say this is someone who's out? I mean, I'm not in my tweeds, I'm not in my barber. No, I have tweeds and barber, by the way. <laughs> I'd
0: be quite happy for you to be dressed like that. In I know, film absolutely what fine. I, mean, I think you'd be accepted <laughs> on most sheets, quite frankly. I know.
1: I wore a red jacket once really badly on a, on a sheet when I was cooking. And I remember the, the head gamekeeper being slightly miffed at me for wearing red. He's like, "Well, wow. <laughs> I think that's the wrong jacket there, <laughs> Oliver. Uh, so, that's very part of my fund. Um, but, yeah, just, I'm just trying to, yeah, welcome as many people in so show that it's not just for that one section of community
0: yes yeah and that's important so you've got uh you've got something coming up on tv haven't you very soon or is that a secret um, we're not, not allowed now to mention it's not. That. <laughs> No. But, but we could leave it there if you need to um
1: no i i'm really Just excited keep people hanging. yeah no i'm about to make my tv uh debut but um yeah it's a channel four program and that's probably all i can do
0: you know what say. i think that's enough that's yeah really really watch this
1: space
0: yeah and is that something we'll say no more but is that something we could look out for uh i assume in 22 or is that tail end of this year or um
1: i'm hoping it'll be this year so 2021 Mm. hopefully summer
0: Mm.
1: you'll hear all about it on my social media don't you worry (laughs) when it happens that's really exciting it is i'm so excited it was an amazing process to be part of um, and
0: without going any further, I just know, ask one <laughs> last question. Is this sort of one thing or is this maybe something that carries on?
1: Um, it could possibly carry on. Brilliant. Is, um, but, yeah, I, 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 it was an amazing way, again, you kind of just feel of, like, connecting with an audience. You realise how powerful media is. So it's something that I'm very keen to, mm. to get on board with.
0: Give me your top three recipes with... Uh, with venison.
1: With venison. Yeah. Can I do a pheasant one first, just to be contradictory?
0: Do you know what? Let me re-ask the question. <laughs> Should I just ask Give the question and answer three game it? recipes, please, Philippa. Oh,
1: that's a really good question. Thank you. <laughs> so I think one of the favourite... Pheasant ones I did was this one. Um, I'd just come back from France, and I do get a lot of inspiration from my travel. So, um, kind of a braised pheasant with Armagnac, cream, chestnuts, um, uh, and prunes. And wow. that was just. That sounds wonderful. So
0: delicious. Well, I, I'm just going to say everything sounds wonderful. <laughs> I love food, as long as it hasn't got goat's cheese or. Uh, I can't remember. I think it's just goat's cheese. Are you cheese. not a goat's cheese like. fan at I'm, all? I'm not.
1: Is it because you had a bad billy goat experience as a kid or...? No, I love the animals. I love No, the
0: animals. I... Um, I uh, it was the smell of it cooked... Uh, smell of it warm or hot yeah. once um, a long time ago. Uh, combined them with the taste. Yeah. It just put me off. Uh. It's very strange because I like soft cheeses. Um, yeah. You know, Breeze, it's a different flavour. Yeah. But... Uh, um, Yeah, I think it's one of, I think it's probably the only food. Oh, and another one I, which I just because it, its texture if it's overcooked uh, is or egg egg aubergine, Um, if it's thin and grilled, uh, you know, with Mm. olive oil and stuff, then I can sort of do it. I love misaka, but on its own, I find it, uh, it's that sort of because of the firm skin and then the very slushy flesh. You peel the skin. You could. And of course, because I don't like it, I haven't uh, progressed yeah. any further. I, Apart from that, yeah. I'm pretty good.
1: Play I, my suggestion with my top tip for aubergines: like play with those Asian or kind of Japanese flavors. So you're putting a bit of miso in there, a bit of soy, a bit of ginger, a bit of lime. Nice. Take the Skin off, roast or roast it, and then you can just like scoop out the flesh. Yeah. And that kind of rich creaminess balances really well those kind of bright, kind of acidic flavors. That's nice. So anyway, going back to my sorry. Top yes, theory. I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> yeah. so you've done your. No, cause I'm just thinking because I, um, I always find it so hard to narrow favourites down. Uh, I'll do something. I've done pheasant, so you've done pheasant, Armagnac. Yes. that ones in the field, and that's got uh, the the
0: the, the, uh, the um, chestnuts, chestnuts and, and the yeah, prunes, prunes in, and, and yeah, yeah, wonderful, cream. really rich and lush lovely, and quite
1: traditional, but just yep. it works so well with the pheasant. Um, what would you have with that? I would probably have mashed potato because I love mashed potato, um, but and greens like I'm a big, I think you know, ooh. oh, oh. It was so exciting, the lights went oh, out. our
0: disco lights have kicked out then, but do you know what, we'll carry on, we'll know, ignore it's that. Weird.
1: let's light a candle. Yeah. Do you know
0: what, last time we had an issue because of a Labrador's tail. Um, <laughs>
1: he briefly got excited, but I got excited earlier, so I must have set him off on some <laughs> adventure. <laughs> <laughs> We're setting each other off now. There's the irony, um,
0: they're totally good today, now the light's playing up, sorry, carry venison. on. Venison. Yes. So,
1: oh, venison, venison. I mean, I really, venison obviously you can treat very similar to beef, um, yes. so we're, and I, I really love things with beef, like I think I like it quite simply grilled or roasted, and then it's about the kind of sauce, to complement you put with, so whether it's something like a really fresh salsa verde, so parsley, capers, really good olive oil, and yes. that kind of, you know, the richness, say, of a, a roast venison loin um, with that sauce is really lovely, or I really love anchovies, so yes. you might want to do like a nice kind of maybe anchovy and olive sauce with it. so something quite punchy so you needed need a little bit but you know just a really good kind of marriage of flavors
0: that sounds wonderful. uh so
1: that's the venison and then well let's do pigeon because i've always like i don't eat i realize i don't, I don't think i eat enough pigeons. because every time i eat it like oh my god that is so delicious do you know
0: what it really is isn't it it's
1: in, incredible and actually there's a recipe going to come out in a month's time in the field magazine and it's got some delicious kind of mustardy puy lentils and asparagus and loads of herbs
0: i tell you what i wanted to talk to you about pigeons mm. actually because i'm uh i'm I'm quite a keen pigeon shot yeah um but i'd also like to get a quick coffee and maybe make you another one can we take a break for one minute and then we'll come straight back of course fabulous i'll (laughs) speak to you in a minute okay Welcome back. A what? short break there. Little caffeine. Um, for anybody who's watching on YouTube, sheer proof that you are so visually hot, you made the bowl pop, which I'm incredibly <laughs> jealous of because I usually only break mirrors. Anyway, oh. um, we were just talking about pigeons. You gave us your three uh, recipes, fabulous. And and uh, I was just about to say, I you know I love pigeon shooting. Uh, it's a real sort of Craft, um, and it's does a great job obviously for crop protection and uh, a very sort of um, an incredible, beautiful, tasty, healthy meat that I think most people have never tried purely because they see them in London and think, oh, you know, pests yeah. don't they want to smoke eat those. too much. Well, yeah,
1: <laughs> muck pigeons, I think yeah, they're exactly. usually eating burgers, you know, yeah. although the ones
0: yeah. we uh, shoot are full of peas and fresh you know shoots and I know I think
1: pigeons probably one of the most rewarding ones to cook because knowing that it's a pest yeah and then that when it's shot it tastes so amazing Um, but but I did
0: I did I so I put you on the spot I asked you for three recipes but I suppose I've got to ask uh, back early on in our conversation you said that um, when you're working the restaurants you know grouse smell of grouse and so on so so go on give us it, a give us a grouse recipe oh yeah, as it's well like
1: grouse still does it to me though it still makes me physically tingle when i smell it it's just it is just this exceptional piece of meat i mean yeah. you know i know this you know when you go up to the moorlands and you see where it's from and just how how precious their habitat is and how much work goes into kind of maintaining that habitat like i just there's something so reverent about the grouse mm. um and, and again, it's one of those ones I think a lot of people, when they think about it, that's kind of steep to know, well, I must eat it with bread sauce and game chips and that. But I kind of think there is so much more you can do do with it.
0: So give us a, give us a, um, you know, give us them not getting carried away, but let us pull <laughs> well away. I'm get
1: carried away. I can't help it. I tell you what, get
0: carried away, <laughs> be <laughs> as extreme as you like. Pull away from bread sauce. Yeah. Give me a recipe yeah. with grouse.
1: So one of my favourite ones, and it was one of the first ones I did for the field. Actually, was going to have lots of Provençal flavours. So with mm. a bit of pastis, a little bit of fig, a bit of balsamic to kind of finish it off. I know that's more Italian, but just those kind of fruity, sweet flavours with this very rich. Of the hill meat, you know it's quite dense to eat, but you know you've got some acidity, you've got some fruitiness in there, you've got the sharpness of the balsamic vinegar, and it was just such an incredible dish that just kind of set your mouth alight. It just so I loved, I loved using the grouse for that, but also I love using other ingredients that obviously come from the terroir of the of the grouse. So whether that's heather honey, which again is this exceptional, oh, stunning, it is stunning, stunning, and every time you put something in your mouth, you're just like, wow, there's so much going on there. But it marries so well when you marry ingredients together off the same tower obviously the synergy works really well Uh, So, yes, a grouse with like heather honey. I always think it's delicious. Chanterelles, obviously. Oh, oh, heaven. (laughs) Hungry Heaven.
0: (laughs) I've been hungry from the (laughs) get-go. i mean, amazing because you you are so incredibly trim, yet you cook all this wonderful food. I mean, I see a lot of chefs and they seem to be struggling with their weight. It takes a lot of
1: energy to be me. As you can see, I move around quite a lot. Um, I found lockdown quite challenging, as I think a lot of us have, because I haven't been so kind of energised and moving around. And I still wanted to kind of, eat and drink as much so i did actually have to start exercising for one of the first times in my life just to kind of fit into my genes but um (laughs) hopefully going back to work soon so i can just maintain both
0: (laughs) absolutely do you see um well, I'm assuming that the clients that would hire you around the world are, you know, bluntly of a of a financial level, okay? Uh-huh. Because it's, uh, you know, it, 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 to me, it's a, it's a you know wonderful thing, but it, you know, almost could be an indulgence to sort of literally, you know, ask someone to, you know, cross the water, come in, cook. I mean, that's a special. Yeah, it's a luxury you know, gig. for sure. Yeah. Do you think that um, sort of post uh, COVID, you know? people's finances, bits and pieces. Do you see that being hindered, affected at all moving forward?
1: No, I mean, potentially, providing I can travel, like I've got a really great year lined up ahead of me so mm. no i think i think it will be fine i think what would be lovely though i think there's a lot of jobs coming up in the uk for chefs for private chefs because people are doing their staycation and i think that's a really exciting thing to think of all these kind of passionate enthusiastic chefs going off into the uk and yes. finding the local and celebrating the local yes.
0: produce is it um i mean i probably could have answered the question because bluntly it's going to be for possibly high net worths you know that are, that are buying or, or or sort of you know, buying into this service but is it difficult to stay cost efficient I'm assuming that just for argument's sake mm-hmm. let's say you have to fly out to somewhere miles and miles away you know it's a new location you know it's got produce relevant to to the place but it's stuff that you maybe need to research and look mm-hmm. into assuming then a, a, a weekend's Job mm-hmm. could actually become a 10-day a trip because of that research time. I mean, is that something you factor in or you now become proficient and you sort of have a rough idea?
1: Yeah, I mean, your client... And how do you
0: keep that cost-efficient as, yeah. as an overall?
1: Yeah, um, so I think generally my clients, you know, they're hiring me because they're big foodies themselves. So it's not like, oh, we're going to cut corners even though we're going to hire a chef. So no. it's go out and buy incredible produce. Um, and then... I mean, I, I occasionally, like, I might land ahead of the clients, but it will only be a day, let's say. Um, and then just so I can get the initial shopping. So when they arrive into the home, you know, the fires are lit, all the candles lit, and, and the, the, the roast chicken is in the oven, or mm. the cake is baked and ready nice. waiting for them on the table. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, that kind of... Elevates a holiday, and you know you can relax and not have to worry if there's any milk in the fridge to have your first cup yes. of tea or whatever. Or rose chilling in the fridge—that's the case. <laughs> might course. be more importantly. <laughs> um, but and then in terms of we well, talk about waste as such or oh efficiency. Yeah, efficiency. Yeah. I,
0: I meant as in being sorry as in being cost effective. You know, obviously, you know, I don't want to know numbers, but yeah. there's, there's obviously you know a charge for say, Philippa, can you come Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. yeah. And that in itself creates a charge, and quite rightly so. Yeah. But uh, then one would probably have to think, well hold on I haven't been here before for a long time yeah might need two or three days to get out into the markets get out into the town see what's on offer
1: no I mean I kind of have to do it within the job and I've become very proficient at doing that you know very professional of course (laughs) with the rosé um Um, and in and and in terms of that's where the
0: red comes from isn't it really (laughs) yeah
1: exactly (laughs) keeps me perky (laughs) um I'm really and I think it kind of harks back to my childhood but you know no waste in food so I'm very proficient about buying the food and using everything and obviously say someone was just hiring me for the weekend I wouldn't want to serve them the same meal twice but if I had leftovers I would transform them into something magical and new so they wouldn't necessarily nice. know they're eating leftovers and how
0: do you make bubble and squeak posh <laughs> uh
1: gold leaf I guess on top caviar so
0: yeah and <laughs>
1: I'm very I'm breaking yeah like, no waste in the kitchen so mm. that I feel is really important to me and actually it's important to a lot of my clients as well like they will because kitchen is obviously somewhere where the people will be in and out of the whole time it's the heart of any home so people will be looking in the fridge and I don't want to I don't want to seem wasteful you know it's crass and it's you know it's not respectful of course um and then there's never really any food waste at the end because either we've kind of we've managed it well in terms of how much rooting how many guests or there's always other people around who will be more than happy to take a goodie bag home at the end of the weekend yes yeah so it all works out really nicely
0: and do you is it ever a challenge when you may have the scenario that uh said guests have children young children and of course you know assuming you're feeding everyone do you then have to sort of come up with a couple of simpler ideas to feed the little ones? And you know, is it really? It's not like going out and, or well, I'm going to cook a three or four or five course supper for ex grown ups. Yeah, there's a whole family to consider, youngsters and all. Yeah,
1: I mean every job's different. And then I think I personally, the way I was brought up and the way I think children should eat is that they should try a little bit of everything um and they should be made to encourage to sit down and you know see the adults or other people eating it and just like this is what you're eating for supper this has been what's prepared for you obviously i'm there to make my client's life easier so if they just want their kids to eat very simple food or more typically kid-friendly food fine that's what i'll prepare for them but i will still maybe try and slip in other things i think it's a it's a you know, this
0: is the point where they're not called goujons, they're actually goldfish fish fingers. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah.
1: What's in a name, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, get the kid eating. But I think it's really important just to be positive with the food. So yeah. I don't want it to become a battleground. I'm, like I said, I'm certainly there to make the parents' life easier. Um, but I can set, I do feel responsible because I'm feeding people, I'm feeding young kids. So I'm very happy if they want to come to the kitchen and help me, or they want to go to the market with me. And I think that is the That's key. Nice. Yeah, and I, I I love it though, you know. Yeah. And I know that it really affects how the children's approach to food will be at the end of the day. Like if they're involved, mm. they will feel part of it, more willing to try stuff. It
0: Feels more creative than just arranging the food in a picture of a face, doesn't it? Yeah, with a smile. I've done
1: that. Though. <laughs> I had one boy once, he wanted an apple. No matter what dessert I'd cook, I'd be cooking incredible mousses and cheese, blah, 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 And all he wanted was an apple. But great, healthy, I guess. But I thought, OK, I can't just give him an apple. So like every day I'd kind of chopped it up and put it into different designs. And kind of like, you know. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant.
0: <laughs> Glass of rosé, eh? we'll do that one.
1: <laughs> it was champagne that time, but anyway. <laughs>
0: I might be killing that joke now. Um, so what is it then, do you think, that actually drives you forward that keeps because you've got an, an incredible you know sort of energy about you you're clearly dedicated um Prussian, we don't like that word um, I don't know that, but I was about to say I'm What is it? It is it's what is passion
1: it? I love what I do I have found a way to make a living of something mm. that I absolutely love.
0: But do you think it's 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 for you because you're using your hands because you're creating or is it the reaction you get from the people you're feeding?
1: It, or is it a combination? It has, it's that combination, that whole journey. So from, I love sitting down thinking of, of menu ideas, of recipes. So there's that creative stage. And then I love getting out, you know, when you're going to a market and you're chatting to to the guy who owns the goose farm, or, you you know, you drive down to, you know, I was in Pouli and I was going to meet these olive oil growers and makers. And, you know, that is extraordinary. To go and hear someone's expertise in life and, and work and go and talk to them, you just pick up so much more. And then... You cannot beat sitting around a table no. with good company, sharing food, sharing stories of your day. Like it's, that's how I grew up. You know, we, we probably never had less than 12 people at the table. Oh, and that great. is, you know, probably one of the richest life experiences you can have is sharing food.
0: Well, they say, don't they, you know, a healthy family is a family that eats together. Yeah. That just, you know, even in our busy lives, finds that time at the end of each day to all sit down together. Yeah. Talk and. Yeah, you it know, is so important. It's spiritual, and it's healthy, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: So, where does um, where does this all go? Say over the next five years, what's have you got any any sort of aims, goals, wants, wishes?
1: yeah I mean I'm probably not as much of a planner as I should be yeah, know, well, I, I, yeah. I think
0: it's more it's not about yeah I would agree I'm not a planner but I throw little yeah little pin pinpoints you know just yeah. little sort of wishes throw the, it out there
1: yeah I mean the more I kind of experience I have in media the more I want to do it because you realize the effect you can have so if you have a message like celebrating for me you know British food for instance British producers I'd love to work more on that so whether that's on TV or through my social media platforms or through writing so that is something i definitely love love to do more of so I see that's probably the biggest push over the next five years yeah
0: yeah good for you that's fabulous Um, for any one of the hundreds of thousands of people that will be listening to this of course um, (laughs) for anybody who's just stumbled across you and I can't believe that would ever be so could you just outline um, where you are well let's start with social media so if someone wanted to find out about Philippa where are you on the internet on social media
1: so my Instagram, which is my kind of biggest, it's like almost a, a daily blog, I guess, short and sweet and fun um, from all my food adventures. So that's Philippa Davis underscore food. Yeah. So that's a great place to keep up. And that's Instagram. Can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With Instagram. I also have a website, so Philippa Davis. Yes. Um, so that's got a great kind of load of information and all the various kind of work I do. I'm not a Twitter fan. I found Twitter quite difficult to get my head around.
0: Yes. Too much texting, too small, not interested. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I'm quite-
1: and I don't know, yeah, a little bit edgy sometimes. A little bit edgy. Yeah, not feeling <laughs> the love. Yeah, I didn't feel yeah. the love there, so <laughs> jumped out of that one. Yeah, so Instagram, I think, is probably my biggest.
0: And obviously, we've mentioned the field. Yeah, so, uh, and that's a monthly.
1: Yeah, monthly recipe column in the Field magazine, and then yeah, occasional pop-ups in for BBC Food or for mm. House and Garden, and then obviously this deepest book series that I've been yes. working on, which are they're incredible, incredible pieces of work, and you know they make great presents. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and lovely yeah take to bed books as we call them yes yeah, coffee table books yes. as they're more commonly known as <laughs>
0: <laughs> straddle one in bed yeah that's oh, it my. i got it sorry i had this <laughs> right that's to throw in there. Uh, yeah. it's me i'm, 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 I'm so, gonna work
1: on the pr campaign I'm, i think for that <laughs> i'm
0: so cheap sorry um do you know what you I, and I i have said this a few times because it is part of the magic and our wonder is being able to sit here and listen to really lovely, interesting people rather like yourself. And and for me, it is the power of social media because otherwise I probably wouldn't have met you and, uh, you know that, uh, that, really powerful, that phone call that comes through from Simon and people think hey, who the hell's this you know and then we create this or you help create this wonder you know which is fabulous um, am I blushing red you are you're <laughs> You're nearly turning the colour of your skirt yes <laughs> um, but you are hugely infectious Aww. massively addictive this has been a great conversation um, you know I'm sure we could do many more of these and uh, I'm sure with all the exciting things you're doing I'll be trying to chase you to get you back that if you uh, get some free chatting. time But um, Philippa Davis, thank you very much indeed. You've been fabulous Um, and a a beautiful prime example of someone who's in the pursuit of excellence, which is wonderful. Thank you for your time. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Cheers.